1: Show for this Friday, April 7th, is here. On today's show, you may know him as the host of Good Evening with Pat Whalen, or maybe you just know him from The Ben Jarofsky Show. That's right, Pat Whelan's back for Oh What a Week. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. And if you want to find out what Ben Jarofsky's up to, you better get over there to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, B is in victory, S-K-Y.
2: Hello again, everybody. Ben here. <laughs> we're calling this. I don't know what I'm going to say Friday, and here's why. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. Folks, you got to see where I am to believe it. I'm in the corner of a room in a Airbnb in Cali. Wait a minute. Ben, I thought you were a Chicago podcaster. What are you doing in California? Well, because, you know, I had to get out of town. Go visit my uh, my lovely granddaughter. Anyway. But I haven't stopped thinking about you, Chicago, from the moment I left town. I obsessively following your every move. Because, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not of Chicago, as I like to say. I moved here in 1981, and I just can't get you out of my system. I mean, I want you out of my system. I'm not going to be like pretend, oh, I love Chicago. The hot dogs are so good. No, I'm not going to tell you that, Chicago. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I think you're weird people. I think you're very strange in many ways, okay? And I, I just tell you this as like the guy who'll tell you things. You know, I'll bring you the bad news that you don't want to hear. Everybody else is always telling you how wonderful you are. You know, like when the national talk shows come to town and they do like Chicago things and we're going to go to a Cub game. We're going to go to a White Sox game. We hate the Cubs. We hate the White Sox. You know, you, you get those guys to do that thing but i'm 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 not i'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna tell it to you straight, Chicago, you're a weird human being. Case in point, as I get ready to discuss, oh, what a week uh, with the distinguished the great uh, comedian impresario political observer Patrick J. Whalen. before I do that, case in point, the recent election. Brandon Johnson was victorious. Brandon Johnson is the mayor-elect of city of Chicago. <laughs> he won by virtue of rock solid support from a coalition of black people, 80% of the black vote, and lefties. Now I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking Chicago, actually probably many of you aren't thinking about this. I am thinking this in my mind, those groups overlap. There's a whole bunch of lefties who are black. It's so funny when people come to calculating the black vote in Chicago, they act as though they're all centrist. I'm not talking about mostly about white observers of it. That's because they want to project centrism on black people. I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Just take a look at the black voting records. There, most of them are the lefty persuasion. So really, there is overlap. Nonetheless, of the white people who voted for Brandon Johnson, they were overwhelmingly of the lefty persuasion. All right, uh, a President- lot of all this. <laughs> Patrick J. Whalen, wait, weighing in from a car somewhere at an expressway. Out of, no, it looks like he's in a... You know, but this show, folks, one guy's in a Airbnb that's about as big as a closet, <laughs> and the other
0: guy is in a car in a forest preserve. I'm, I'm on 94, like picking up campaign signs.
2: Oh, that, And he is. He's got all these Paul Vallis campaign signs in the back. Anyway, so Brandon Johnson wins by virtue of a vote from the left. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of you don't like that. You're upset by that. I know there's a lot of centrists who are like, oh, I'm scared now. I'm very, very, very scared. And I know there's like a lot of MAGA people in Chicago. I mean, it's 15% of the city's MAGA. Let's be honest. And and they're just like losing their mind. I will now do do the sound of a MAGA mind right now. Leftists are going to run the city of Chicago. Trans rights. Back, <laughs> actually, part of their uh, happy. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to throw this one out there. I think, in a weird twist of way, Mag is happy uh, that Brandon Johnson was I'll tell, victorious. I'll tell you why. They use uh, Chicago as a talking point as the decline of civilization as we know it. When Leftists run the city. We haven't had a leftist mayor in the city of Chicago uh, since Harold Washington in the 80s, but they still call like every Chicago. It's so weird. Like every Chicago mayor, they call a leftist, even if they like deals with these leftists. Mayor Richard M. Daly, was he a leftist? He's He basically supported George W. Bush back in the O's. Crime was insanely high. Throughout most of the Mayor Richard M. Daley era. Okay, you know, but he was no leftist. So he really doesn't fit the bill. Rom doesn't fit the bill. I mean, good God, Rom is a Mitt Romney Republican. We all know that. Lori Lightfoot doesn't fit the bill. She's a corporate Democrat, she's a corporate lawyer, but still radical leftist. Well, now you really do have a leftist. So it kind of fits your talking point. Now, you can blame absolutely everything that's wrong anywhere. Somehow or other, it'll be Brandon Johnson's fault. Every murder in the city of Chicago will be an indication that leftists are out of control. They'll, it'll be either Brandon Johnson's fault or Kim Fox's fault. So I think in kind of a weird twist away, Mag is happy uh, that Brandon Johnson was victorious. But anyway, a sure sign of the uh, absurdity of Chicago. No sooner had Brandon Johnson been victorious uh, with the support of lefties, <laughs> then what does centrist Chicago do? They tell him, break every promise you ever made. Reading editorials. I know, I know. I know you're going to tell me, Ben, why do you read the editorials? And here's the funny thing, folks. I read the mainstream newspapers. I listen to B Easy. You know, well, maybe I read Be Easy. I don't listen to it as much, but I do read Be Easy. Like, they know. They, Printer stuff sometimes. Uh, so I'm very much a mainstream, old school, old, old guy. And I've suddenly realized, like, young people don't read this stuff. They don't listen to this stuff. They're sheltered from it. How do I know that? Because I get young people come on the show and not a one of them <laughs> thought Brandon Johnson was going to lose because they don't read the, they don't listen to this. You know, like the little, everybody's in a bubble. It really is true. Everybody's in a bubble, but they always like want to pretend that the other people are in a bubble and they're not in a bubble. You know, like if you're a Sun-Times reader or a Tribune reader, you're like, well, they're in a bubble. I live in the real world and in the real world, Ben, you can't elect a lefty. So but the young people aren't listening to that. Anyway, the election's over. It's Sun-Times editorial and the Tribune editorial already telling <laughs> Brandon, hey, break all those promises. Here's what you do. I was loving they give advice to the mayor elect. You guys didn't do a damn thing to help him win. Why should he take advice from you? I'm just saying, all right? (laughs) We're going to give you some advice, Brandon. We didn't support you. We didn't vote you. We didn't help you in any way. Now we're going to tell you what to do. Like, you should listen to us. Guys, if he listened to you, he wouldn't have run in the first place. All right? Because you would have told him, a lefty can't win. You cannot win with those kinds of programs. You cannot win with Chicago Teacher Union support. They're radical leftists. So now he's going to listen to you. <laughs> what makes you think he would listen to you? Why should? And, you know, the difference between you, me and you, I give advice. And then I always say at the start of advice, my first piece of advice is don't take advice from me. Because if you take advice from me, he wouldn't have run either. I think my advice <laughs> when Stacy Davis Gates came on the show was, here's what you do, Stacy." Support Chewy Garcia. That's what you do, okay? Stacy looked at me like, God, ah, please. <laughs> Why am I wasting my time with this guy? Uh, I said, "Stacy, you could be the kingmaker. And then she gave me a whole lecture about patriarchy. <laughs> I <was> like, Oops, <laughs> I blew that one. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, is Brandon Johnson? Do yourself a favor. Don't listen to the Sun Times in when they tell you to break every promise you make. That's my advice to you. Which, of course, you're free to ignore. In fact, I'm advising you to ignore the advice. So it's a weird thing. It's like reverse jujitsu or something, trying to get you to do something by telling you what to do. Hmm. <laughs> I even I even that doesn't make that doesn't even make any sense to me. And I said it. They're advising him to break every promise he made. Just tell him we don't have the money uh, to do treatment for trauma, t- t- treatment instead of trauma. <laughs> Sorry, Rosanna. Dyslexia kicks in. We don't have the money to hire more social workers. We don't have the money to reopen the mental health clinic. That's what they want you to say. In fact, upon further review, I realized we should spend even more money hiring more police. That's what they want you to say. I know Mm -hmm. I said we shouldn't do that, but now I say we should do that. I know I said something uh, on Monday, but now it's Wednesday. I'm going to say something completely different because the Tribune of the Sun Times want me to say something completely different. Break every promise. Hey, that's a great way to keep people believing in our system. Here's what you do. You bring them in and encourage them to sign up to vote, and encourage them to come out to vote, and encourage them to vote for you, believing that you're going to do A, B, C, and then as soon as you get elected, you do D, E, F. Whoa, that'll really build voter participation. That'll get a 22-year-old who's voting for the first time to say, golly gee, I really believe in this system of democracy that we have. They totally broke every promise they made to me. I think I'll go out maybe. and vote again.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe next time.
2: Maybe next time. Which I will close my close my opening remarks with this r- reminiscence, young Patrick J. Whalen. Uh, I love making uh, this reminiscence because it just goes to show you the joke is on me as well, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty nineteen, Mick Dumkey and I sat down at the Hideout for a first Tuesday show with candidate Lori Lightfoot. And we besieged her with a bunch of questions from the lefty perspective. And she assured us that she was with us every step of the way. And as soon as she got in office, one by one, she broke all those promises. To which every acquaintance I have in mainstream Chicago, they looked at me like I was a complete idiot. And they go, why would you believe anything she told you? These are the chroniclers, by the way, in off-the-record conversations of the news in Chicago. I'm just telling you. Ben, you're a complete idiot. You actually believed something she told you? How foolish of you. <laughs> this is a big, why, why have a system of democracy? Let's just, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. So my first piece of advice to you, Brandon Johnson, is don't take any advice from any journalist in the city of Chicago. It's the road to ruin. All right, without further ado bringing on the great patrick j whalen comedian talk show host impresario political strategist, nick Spazzato imitator folks he does the best imitation of alderman nick Spazzato i've ever heard in the world now on top of that he's an accomplished motorist as he's doing this show from the front seat of his I don't know. Is that a caddy you're driving there? I have no idea what that car is. This is a
0: 2005 Chevy Equinox.
2: Only the best for Ben Jarowski show uh, guests. Um, so, any thoughts before uh, we launch into Oh, What a Week and all the news of the week on uh, the notion uh, that Brandon Johnson should take the advice of uh, the um, leading centrist in the city of Chicago and break every promise he made? Go.
0: I, I have so many. I think your analysis is spot on. But first, I, I just want to say there was breaking news I can drop here. Uh, this morning, I stopped by Bridgeport. Paul Vallis's apartment is empty. The mattress on the floor is gone. The half-full bar, ball jar of tap water is missing. The copy of Atlas shrugged. Nowhere to be found. I, I, I hope he's okay wherever he is, uh, but he is he has vacated the premises in a, in a, in a quickness. No, I, I think, uh, you know, there was all this talk of MAGA. First of all, I, I don't know. If, if if CPD and FOP thought that Paul Vallis wasn't going to take the fifth floor and then immediately hire a contractor to create, you know, an army of robocops <laughs> that don't need health care or pensions and privatize the police department, I think they're all crazy. Um, but you're right. I mean, MAGA... Mega is nothing without an enemy, right, Ben? So, you know, the John Casses and, you know, the 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 other unnamed names, um, they, they secretly, you know, on the outside, they're terrified. They're inside, they're terrified too. Um, but they love having a foil, you know, because they have, well, God knows they can't go on substance, yeah. can't go on ideology, can't go on policy, so let's go on, he's a bad guy. So they they can't wait for all that stuff, but yeah, they are quaking in their boots. I mean, I don't know if you read John Cass's newsletter yesterday, but it's 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 like he put his mashed his feet on the keyboard and just <laughs> saw what spellcheck was going to give to him. The man is losing his mind. Wire points is on on the edge. We got to talk wire points off off the wire.
1: Uh, you know, okay, with, with MAGA.
0: You know, uh, Ray Lowe, uh, you know, our, our friend Ray Lowe, he ran a campaign for mayor, as you know, and didn't end up clinching it. Uh, but he said all throughout, you know, there's no reason we can't disagree and, and stay friendly. You know, and about 20 seconds after Paul Vallis conceded, he was on Fox News saying the city of Chicago's on fire. We're all going to die. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, it's just more more feed for the trough, Ben, with with a mayor, Brandon Johnson, who I think is going to do just fine. By not following either of our advice.
2: Uh, yes. Uh, I, I okay, so we uh, like to say I like to say that uh, Pat Whalen watches the Sunday talk shows uh, so we don't have to and we'll get to the Sunday talk show segment of the Pat Whalen appearance uh, in, a, in a bit. But you also uh, follow the far right in a way uh, that I don't, so I don't have to. So thank you uh, for the update on John Cass. Who, uh, as I like to point out, for years and years and years uh, had to covet it, page two in the Chicago Tribune, so I could not avoid him. All right. I dutifully read the Chicago Tribune uh, every day because I felt compelled to know what was going on, at least from the centrist or right wing point of view. So there he was. So he left the Tribune. I don't have to look at him anymore. But thanks to Pat Whalen, I get updates. I got a few other friends in the media who remain anonymous who every now and then I can't believe how insane John Cass is. What? You weren't paying
0: attention the last 20 years. Well, let, I mean, no, that's absolutely true. And he's even hard to avoid somehow from all the way on the other side of Lake Michigan and Indiana. But, you know, I think another point you mentioned is absolutely true. You know, the younger generation and I'm not going to include myself because, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, look at my beard, you know, your listeners can't see it, but I'm, I'm well past my, I'm a youngin' phase, and I still pay attention to Twitter, not so much the TikTok. And instead of reading his newsletter, I, I was blessed uh, that someone just screenshot the, the you know, the, the howling at the moon part and put that screenshot on Twitter so I was able to read it without giving John Cass a click. Um, but the other thing is, you know, um, Taylor Morgan Green uh, went on, I'm um, sorry, Morgan Elise Johnson went on uh, from the tribe, Morgan from the tribe. She went on WGN as an analyst on the night of. Did you see catch this at all? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, we uh, talked her analysis about this on WGN it, on the panel?
2: Yeah, I, t- I talked about uh, I talked about this at late. I forget. I think I'm going to be with Delmarie and uh, uh, Monroe on Wednesday, but go ahead.
0: Nice. Well, I, she spoke to what you were just saying, you know, that these TV panelists were asking her. And luckily, Taman Bradley was up there helping her along with, with good questions. And they're like, well, you know, why didn't the youth turn out? We hadn't seen the numbers of the youth turnout going up almost 30% for 18 to 24 yet. This is the night of. And they're like, well, why didn't the youth turn out? You know, basically, you know, what do you have to say for yourself, basically? And she says, they don't watch TV. They don't watch this. And boy, you could see the temperature in that room go up about five degrees immediately. Because she's like, yeah, no one's listening to you, basically. You know what I mean? Like, your analysis does not penetrate us. They're going to show up to vote, but they're not going to, you know, view things. And so... Their turnout in, in the in the runoff, I think, going to be attributed to having one candidate that they could actually maybe identify with ideologically. But yeah, you know, I think the John Cassers of the world better get on TikTok with a quickness. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if they're allowed to go on TikTok because uh, isn't that uh, owned by the Chinese? So I think that's uh, from MAGA's point of view off limits. Um, you set up very interesting to me uh, before we began the show and I'd like to follow up on it, and this has been on my mind as well. Um, This is the third election cycle in which the Republicans uh, try to take advantage of crime uh, in the city of Chicago uh, and run a be scared on crime campaign. And uh, that cycle would be, let's see, 2020 Kim Fox, uh, 2022 uh, J.B. Pritzker, and now 2023 with uh, Paul Vallis, uh, their candidate against Brandon Johnson. Uh, They try to scare us about Kim Fox. She's letting prisoners out in the street. That's why crime is rising. Uh, They try to scare us with J.P. Pritzker. Uh, He's taking away uh, cash bail. That will just lead to more crime and mayhem, and then just Brandon Johnson, he's radical leftist controlled by the Chicago. Te- no, excuse me, the powerful Chicago. <laughs> they always go, they powerful. I had another thing I just got to say. I was just reading a story in the Sun Times, and they would mention, they said he, the Chicago, the powerful Chicago Teachers Union gave him an astonishing 2 million, 2.5 million. I want. And they're like, what's astonishing about Kenny G gave 50 million, 50 million. It, that's astonishing and his candidate lost by the way here you go here's a tough one for you for 10 trivia points uh oh who did Kenny G put the 50 million on in the gubernatorial race Darren Bailey was the nominee but Kenny G's candidate do you remember do you remember the candidate that Kenny G supported for governor
0: this is a short term Durkin right the the downstate mayor Durkin (laughs) <laughs> if, if that's not his name what's his name the downstate mayor who was caught he's up not downstate the-
2: oh, he's, he's not he's not downstate i'll give you time to think about it. anyway neither here nor there the point is, is that to me is an astonishing amount of money but anyway let's go back to the three election seasons in a row that crime uh has not worked for, for the publicans your thoughts just totally the Republican strategy to win uh, elections in Chicago, Cook County, and Illinois.
0: God, I mean, my first thought is, was it that long ago that I can't remember the governor's race? I know who you're talking about. I can picture him, but I can't. Uh, um, Yeah. Crime, crime and, and, and your safety. I I loved that Paul Vallis line. Paul is, it came out on, on billboards and TV. shows. Paul's first priority is crime and your safety. And I was like, whose safety? You're only talking to your supporters, right? The people who are voting for you. So the people who are voting for me, I'm worried about your safety and everyone else's crime. And that's what it is. Crime is so terrifying, right? We have to do something about crime, even though we have more police officers than any major, any major American city per capita, even though carjacking is down, even though violent crime is down, even though, you know, all the uh, increase of certain parts of uh, crime that we've seen are national trends. They use Chicago because of its history as a blue bubble amongst the red states uh, as uh, you know, as as target practice for for their rhetoric, but what are we seeing? It's not working around the country, and it's not working here. It didn't work with Kim Fox. And if it doesn't work with Ken Fox, take the hint, am I right? <laughs> Switch your strategy out. right? Yeah. Then it didn't work for Darren Bailey. But then again, Darren Bailey's your front man. So, I mean, I don't know how much could actually work when you're running him against a guy like J.B. Pritzker. And, and then you have Paul Vallis, who's actually this wonk, this straight-laced, just the facts, ma'am, you know, balance sheet understanding of how everything can work. You know, he gets the mechanisms, he knows the gears, he can pull the levers with his work in the in the daily administration as a budget guy. That's why Catanzaro was so happy to have him negotiate the FOP contract. Pro bono, by the way. Um, and so he had all the bona fides, he had all the, the scary, you know, imagery and all the ring doorbells of people getting carjacked, and they got creamed. Well, creamed. Okay. And so to me. Yeah. Well, they just got to take the hint, I think. They need to understand that this rhetoric isn't working. But the problem, Ben, is they only have one leg to stand on. And that one leg to stand on is fear tactics and crime. You better look out because someone's coming to get you and your family. That's all the Republican has to stand on. There's no policy. There's no ideology. There's no looking to the future about what can be changed to make the world a better place. But the real problem is lower taxes. I'm tired of property taxes. I'm a farmer and I hate all these taxes I got to pay to the state. I hate this tax. I hate this gas tax. I hate this tax, this tax, this tax. Taxes are what pay for public roads and public education, which don't get Paul Vallis started on the latter. But the problem is that if you have no vision except government doesn't work and taxes can't go up, these two ideas are at odds with each other. If the government doesn't work now, we have to pay more to get a better government, right? And if you raise taxes on the poor and working class families who supported Brandon Johnson, they can't afford groceries. But if you raise the taxes on people who invested in Paul Valles's campaign, they can't afford elections. And you know what? Everyone should be able to afford elections, shouldn't they, Ben? Yeah. And you know, maybe they shouldn't uh, try to spend their money on elections anyway, because again, they have no rhetoric. Their talking points don't work. They're not based in fact, and they're not changing any minds. It's not enough to yeah. win an election, anyway. But other than that, they're very fine people on both sides.
2: Yes, yeah, that's a very important point. Uh, they're very fine people on 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 both sides, and we have no, a lot sides, we can agree on. Both sides. Uh, Richard Irvin, by the way, that was the name you were desperately Irvin, seeking. Damn
0: it! <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't blame damn you. He was, and it's he was the mayor of, uh, or he may still be the mayor of Aurora. Uh have track. Fifty million
0: of- dollar blip.
2: Yeah, and uh so that's an astonishing amount, fifty million dollars. And then also Kenny G this point out, fifty million dollars in the fair tax. Uh which will lead me uh to this thing that's all on my mind. Uh, and uh it's just another little smile I have whenever I read the coverage of politics in Chicago and municipal financing in Chicago. So immediately uh upon winning uh Brandon Johns is confronted with articles to point out that Chicago is a uh dysfunctional, uh, that Chicago is facing uh, enormous budget challenges, that there's billions and billions of dollars uh, in obligations that Chicago must meet, uh, and they don't have the money to meet them, uh, that the federal government, which uh, sent billions of dollars to Chicago uh, as COVID relief in 2019, uh, excuse me, 2020 and 2021, will not be sending that money uh, anytime soon, although I urge them to do so. I see nothing wrong with the federal government helping support the city of Chicago.
0: I mean, they send out, I'll send them my address if they need it.
2: Yes. Uh, I, if, if that's how it works, if it has to go to Patrick J Whalen's apartment, uh, first or condo first, uh, let's do it that way. I am uh, so but a vessel that's vessel
0: for federal COVID money. Uh,
2: so that's, that's what he's agreed with, uh, from, uh, the outset. And again, this is part of the larger movement to get him to break every single promise. Uh, I don't know if those same greetings would have faced a, a mayor-elect, Vallis, because somehow or other in the analysis of budget crisis that Chicago is facing, one thing is a crisis, and the other thing is sort of like a legitimate expense. So Paul Vallis was campaigning on a promise to hire more police officers and not raise property taxes. That cut property taxes, all right? Uh, But somehow that was not a financial challenge. But if you're promising to uh, hire more students in Chicago, teenagers in Chicago for summer jobs, if you're promising to open mental health clinics, if you reopen them, I should say, if you're promising uh, to spend more money on education and social needs, et cetera, uh, that is a fiscal challenge, if you follow what I'm saying. Uh, So the same forces that supported and elected, um, excuse me, that supported and uh, could not elect Paul Vallis were the ones who opposed the Fair Tax Initiative which would have literally raised money by imposing a tax on the wealthiest people. So now here we are uh, there. They're saying there's no money to do any of the things you want, but there was money to do the things that Paul Vallis wanted. So there's money or there's not money. Uh, And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite sure which way it goes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Neither are they. Neither are they. So uh, I, I have, no prediction to make uh, on this uh, this front, Pat. Uh, whoever had won the election, Brandon or Paul Valus, was going to face uh, enormous challenge to put in mildly to make good on his promises.
0: A hundred percent, I definitely agree. And I think there's two ways of looking at it, and why I think Paul was such a danger for the city because we had, kind of have two views about how we should, you know, invest in the future. And the, the example I always use for Vallis, it's kind of Paul Vallis bingo for me, because it hits all the points of concern for me, is a lot of people know Paul Vallis was obviously from Palos Heights. It's where he is now. I think that's where his mattress from Bridgeport apartment is as well. Um, but anyway, not as many people know that his father-in-law was the mayor of Palos Heights. And even fewer people know that when Paul was a CEO of CPS, the first CEO, by the way, get a job, kid. Um, of CPS, he uh, hired his father-in-law, the mayor of Palos Heights, his friend's company to take over busing in a $6 million no-bid contract for CPS when they were running into some funding troubles. So they couldn't quite shore up the money for the buses. So, oh, we're gonna hire this private company and they're gonna take care of busing for us. It'll be cheaper for the taxpayers and make the kids more safe. Well, guess what? Three years later, an audit was completed And it turns out that this company not only cost the taxpayers more money, but made the kids less safe because this private institution was under less scrutiny than a governmental body to ensure that the driver's CDL licenses were up to date or that the vehicles, uh, you know, had all their seat belts and things of that nature. So this is the Paul Vallis outlook for me. Instead of spending more to save us in the long run, we're gonna cut costs now and keep everything else as it is. And therefore your property taxes won't go up. You've, you know, there's no, you know, financial transmission tax. There's no danger of anyone who, you know, is in the get stuff done pack that, that your taxes are gonna go up because God forbid, we start investing more in the future and that's what Brandon is looking at. He's saying, "Yes, it is going to cost money up front to create these job programs for kids, right? It is going to cost more to do these ideas. But instead of taking short-term money up front in the hopes that it'll cover us like, I don't know, the parking meter deal, right? The CTA works so much better now that Ventra took over ticketing services, right? I can't wait for NASCAR cuz it's going to generate so much so much economic activity downtown. And in every instance we're cutting public access, right? to the uh, to Grant Park, which will be open three days this year, some public park that is. Uh, the CTA, obviously a public asset, which I can't wait to fly over a, a United helicopter over the public transit system that my taxes go towards so I can get to my layer downtown. Um, and then, of course, the parking meter deal, a public asset that, by the way, fun fact, I know I don't have to tell you this, Ben, but every time there's a parade in any ward, you got to pay the parking meter company for all the spaces that they could not revenue on so this idea of cutting service to take money up front has no vision for the future It has no longevity it's all short-term gains and long-term pains and brandon is saying i'll invest in the kids now it will cost up front but it's going to solve us uh revenue generation in the long run and that is the invest in people thing that he was hammering the whole time which john cass hated <laughs> uh. Yeah, that was, that was very, uh
2: very well done to uh and with the John Cass. By the way youngsters who are listening uh John Cass is an ancient uh and uh ancient, he may actually be older than me uh pat which is astounding to me you talk about astonishing <laughs> that uh, there is actually someone older than me but i think John Cass may be older than i am and uh, uh and he is uh one of the to put it mildly, a conservative uh, public opinion um, writer. Oh, All right, um, there. Is, I was greeted today by a photograph, one last bit of um, Chicago news before we move on. A photograph uh, in my beloved Bright One Chicago Sun-Times of Brandon Johnson, mayor elect, uh, meeting Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I don't know if you saw this photo. I should have sent it to you, Pat. Uh, so anyway, the photograph shows uh, Brendan Johnson shaking hands with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And this is like, you know, the great symbolic passing of the torch. I'm trying to recall if there was a photograph like that with um, Rahm Emanuel. There had to have been with Rahm Emanuel and Lori Lightfoot. I just can't get there the was. image. There was? Okay. Yes. I, re- I, I just can't get the image in my mind. I recall uh, when um, Harold Washington... Uh, was the, uh, gave his inaugural address at Navy Pier in 1983. What a moment that was, uh, that Jane Byrne was there. She was sitting in the front row. So it was like, in that regards, it was an official passing of the torch. And I'm sitting here. Uh, I haven't really completely uh, just absorbed uh, that uh, Lori Lightfoot, um, it, it is her tenure is ending. Pat, you know, I have it's like I was just passing through O'Hare and you hear the the messages of, that go on all repeatedly over the loudspeakers there where Lori Lightfoot is greeting people to the city of Chicago. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to that public service announcement. And I realize it's just like a moment, Like maybe it'll take like three months to change that. You know, it takes a little while, although I got to say this with after Daly died. Man, they couldn't get Harold. I mean, excuse me. After Harold Washington died and Daly came in, they couldn't get Harold Washington's name off of things fast enough. Mm-hmm. And Sawyer, Sawyer changed some of the stuff to make you know. I I want everybody to know I'm here. I'm the mayor. But man, let's just, let's just get any any mention of Harold Washington and Eugene Sawyer out. Put Daily, Daily, Daily. But I'm just wondering, like, what are the first Lori Lightfoot visions? that uh brandon johnson is going to scrap my guess Mm. if he can get out of that nascar deal he'll get out of that nascar deal and do it fast
0: he'll make a lot of friends downtown too
2: there you go there you want to reach the the olive branch to brian hopkins alderman brian hopkins (laughs) alderman brendan riley brian hopkins has gotten so freaking maga I've been like his quotes are off. It's just his quotes are so just insane uh, that he's given the quotes he got. He was talking about uh, uh, that, they, like the uh, the Brandon Johnson supported by legions of socialists and communists. Uh, communists, Where, where'd you get that one? Communist. Communists. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a while. They're
0: communists. Chairman Johnson. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I my guess is uh, I watched that uh, transition and it was very solemn. And everybody, Brandon said nothing but wonderful things about Lori, who he had just been bashing a week ago. And she said, well, kind of nice things, not really. (laughs) It's going to take her a little while, I think, to get over it, maybe never, uh, uh, about uh, Brandon as well. But at some point, she he's going to start replacing. Uh, the things that she instituted, very proudly so, that she instituted, she was very proud of. Uh, and you're right, he'll hook it uh, accolades for it. My guess, he'll try to get out of NASCAR. I don't know what the fine point, points are in that contract, if he has any leeway to do so. That would be my guess. Uh, you Can you think of anything, any Lori Lightfoot initiatives that Brandon's going to try to get out of uh, as soon as possible?
0: I can't. Um, you know, the Save-A-Lot downtown, but that's kind of small potatoes. Um, NASCAR is the biggest one for me because, you know, the, the whispers I'd heard is that this was part of a more long-term vision of bringing F1 to Chicago, which, of course, is an internationally renowned race. And, you know, NASCAR doesn't go in the figure eight like it's Mario Kart, which is what they have drawn up in Grand Park downtown, right? NASCAR goes in a circle. So why is it a figure eight? Because that's a Formula One racetrack. And they're trying to bring investment from overseas in Dubai and all, you know, you, you see these F1 courses and, you know, these small European cities that they do. It's all very well funded. Uh, so that was part of a longer vision. I don't see that gelling with Brandon. I don't see him bringing F1 uh, to Chicago. And that, that's not investing in people. That's investing in like Jeff Gordon, but that, that's yeah. not really investing in, in the city. So that, that's it. And then uh, there's Invest Southwest, which I assume he would definitely continue and expand on even if he's able. But, you know, I, I think another part of it, Ben, is what I've read, and I don't know the specifics on this. I leave it to smarter folks like you. But from what I'm told is um, Mayor Lightfoot had access to funds, obviously through COVID and everything, where she had a lot of stuff to play with, and that, that well is drying up. So how much can you let go of while still you know, sticking to the promises that you're actually going to keep instead of taking John Cass's advice. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I. Uh, uh, what about I the taste to- of
0: Chicago? They broke that up into three pieces. I kind of like that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that, that you say taste of Chicago, because again, going back to uh, ancient uh, memories, uh, Harold Washington made fun of Jane Byrne and some of her summer festivals uh, and uh, as a sign that it was uh, bread and circuses as, as opposed to meaningful uh, programs that could help the people. But then once in uh, office, he totally enjoyed the pageantry of the Bread and circus. And he 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 loved showing up and waving to the crowds and uh, you know, greeting um, some of the uh, the visiting musicians, like I'm thinking of concerts in the park. He really thrilled, he got a kick out of that. He was really good at it. I, you know, uh, upon reflection, uh, I could see Brandon Johnson falling for it as well. And, uh, you know, re- what, what what starts a race? You you seem to m- know a lot more about racing than I do, which wouldn't take much. Uh, so, like, I could see Brandon Johnson, you know, it's a flag. There's something with a flag. You know, oh, she's like, uh, he's, he's
0: like in, in Daisy Dukes with two handkerchiefs in either hand. And he throws his hand. <laughs> he <laughs> something. No, uh, uh, the checkered <laughs> flags at the end, and the green, the green flags at the beginning.
2: I think. All right, astounding a uh, rate, astounding racing talk in the Benderowski show. All right, uh, we're now at that <laughs> portion of every uh, uh, Pat Whalen appearance where we address uh, the uh, uh, Sunday morning news affair talk shows. Uh, and as I like to say, Pat Whalen watches them so uh, you don't have to. So once again, Pat, thank you for your service. Uh, and uh, this gives us an opportunity to talk about the national news, move away from Chicago. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago, uh, the narrative uh, enters the Sunday talk shows. Uh, so let's go down the list. What do you expect to hear the great talking minds of America addressing on the Sunday talk shows?
0: Well, uh, I don't know if you heard, but a former president of the United States was indicted recently. Uh, so I, I believe that is the first time in human history this has occurred. Uh, I definitely see a lot of talk on the horizon about that in in church on Sunday, and for your listeners, my my father, son, Holy Ghost is Meet the Press. Face the Nation, and this week with George Stephanopoulos. So I I, I call it going to church because it's Sunday. And if it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press, baby. So, uh, yeah, the, the Trump stuff is definitely going to be a big part of the panel, maybe a slice of Ukraine. But, of course, the blue team is going to have to dish on Clarence Thomas uh, come Sunday. I see a lot that's going to be happening with that. Um, but then, of course, what's going on in Tennessee I think is also going to be some 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 fresh meat for the NBC slash ABC uh, audiences. It's it's I mean talk about bread and circus. At at least at bread and circus the bread was free, you know. Now you got to pay thirteen dollars for a hot dog. But um, while while you're watching TV, it can get a little more y, But I think Clarence Thomas is going to take a big portion of the discourse. And this feeds back into what we were talking about before, Ben. The Republicans don't have a leg to stand on, although Kevin McCarthy did welcome the president of Taiwan, I believe, uh, to California this week. And I think uh, Margaret Brennan will have stuff to say about that. Um, no one wants to pull my string on the South China Sea, but um, you know, the Cold War with China does seem to be off and running right now. So I think that's going to be a part of the discussion as well. So a few topics, I think, that we'll be getting into.
2: Well, Clarence Thomas is, um, is a challenging one. Clarence Thomas, uh, obviously Supreme Court Justice, uh, far right, MAGA before MAGA. And um, it turns out that for years and years and years, he's the beneficiary of some lucrative uh, gifts uh, from a fabulously wealthy uh, Republican uh, including getting to stay at the man's resorts. Uh, and he has not uh, kept track of these, not reported any of these gifts, uh, which apparently are in violation of the rules and the regulations. Uh, this is a challenging moment uh, for Democrats Because they are also, uh, at the same time as everybody knows, uh, have indicted uh, President Trump for not following the rules and the regulations uh, governing the amount of his the money he spent for hush money to to silence to buy uh, Stormy Daniels' silence, Uh, allegedly. Okay, I you know it's is it alleged? I mean, it was already established. I don't think anybody's challenging that he did that. You know, that's the thing. We're always I know we you got to say allegedly, you know, and it's like allegedly. Say allegedly. But I don't think anybody's challenging that Donald Trump authorized Michael Cohen to pay $130,000 to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet on the eve of the 2016 presidential. Election. I don't think anybody's challenging that the issue at, that the Republicans are raising in regards to Trump is that that does not uh, rise to the standards of an indictment that that's like, uh, when are they, they have very euphemistic ways of dismissing it, like a bookkeeping of, uh, uh, matter, or that's like, uh, well, Bill Clinton had affairs as well, or what else? Uh, if they could do it to him, they could do it to you. Uh, Word to everybody, excuse me, (laughs) they would have done it to you already, okay. And by the way, how many out there in America are are having uh one night affairs to quote Jerry Butler, uh, with you know porn stars, okay? And how many of you out in America are running for president and violating election laws? So they could do it to you. Uh, I haven't had an affair with a porn star, so that would be number one, uh, so. It's like Republicans have played the ref so well. They have played the victim card so well. They've turned themselves into martyrs so well. They've lowered the standards for what is acceptable behavior in the country so well that they think, and they may be right on this, that in a way that will prevent prosecutors or Democrats from going after them, when they continually break the law. So it's like, well, we can't investigate Clarence Thomas for not reporting the gifts he allegedly received uh, from this Republican donor because we're already prosecuting President Trump for the hush money he paid uh, to Stormy Daniels. And then it'll just look like we're picking on them. And then it'll just give them so much to sob about that the quintessential swing voter in Wisconsin that Rahm Emanuel and David Axelrod are always uh, trying, worried about, will say, that's just too much. I'm gonna vote for Republican because the Democrats are mean and they're trying to punish lawbreakers. I have a feeling, to quote the Beatles, that that uh, that is going to be the attitude that prevails in Washington and that Clarence Thomas will not be investigated seriously uh, or in any way punished for breaking the rules. Your thoughts, Patrick J. Whalen.
0: I think it's absolutely on point. I'm already seeing quotes on background uh, from congressional reporters of people saying, you know, there's enough division in this country. We can't have people not trusting the Supreme Court. So Congress isn't going to touch it. That ought to help. Um but at the same time, Senator Dick Durbin um, has said that he will use the, his power as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee to take action, I believe is the quote on this. But, you know, Ben, it, it all comes back to it sure beats talking about policy if you're a Republican, right? I don't know if uh, Kevin has released his draft of the budget yet while he was meeting with the president of Taiwan. But, you know, they have nothing else substantive to talk about. And the only like we were talking about earlier. The only thing MAGA loves more than having a foil and someone to point at is to be the victim themselves is to say, everybody's picking on me. If they can get me, they can get you. If you have a $60,000 affair with an porn star. Okay. Very relatable man of the people. Absolutely. Um, Winning stuff. And I, I think this is why with everything that, you know, I think the rest of the country less. So I think they thought that the argument of crime and, and police, would work more here and gain more traction because of Chicago's reputation, at least on Fox News. But what has happened in most other places around the country is that the Republican Party has switched to being completely anti-abortion. And this, of course, will gin up their religious voters. This will you know, bring up a lot of... Um, other consternation within their party platform that they hope uh, they can ride a rage wave to the white house with at some point, any day now, Cross your fingers, don't hold your breath. Um, But of course that's not working either. And we see that in Wisconsin. You you mentioned Wisconsin earlier and we we see now uh, a a big change in in the Supreme court there. Um, All the the pro, I mean, if you're not pro-life in Chicago, they'll they'll run you out of town on a rail, Paul, even if you said it 15 years ago. Um, And so since, crime's not working, and abortion isn't working, and they have no policy or substance that they can tell people about their party about, oh, let's let's attack trans people. Let, let's pass a bunch of bills. Uh, let's see, who, who else can be our foil? Who else can be our victim? Oh, trans people. People think they're weird. So let's do that. And, you know, it is the most draconian, near-fascist stuff, you know, outside of the book banning uh, that we've seen thus far. And I don't know. It's kind of a meandering answer. Forgive me. But I I do think it's all connected to to the main fact that Republicans don't have an ideology except don't take my money, please.
2: Yeah, I am. I'm I'm watching for uh, the uh, substitution of uh, of of abortion rights rights. to um for transphobia if you follow what I'm saying. In other words, the the Republicans will move away from their war against abortion uh in swing states and just uh, pump up the volume on transphobia. I th- I think you're absolutely correct about that. Uh, it's already happening. It's already happening. It's already happening. But they're in a, the, the, I know they're in trouble uh when it comes uh to abortion rights and I followed the um the reaction Uh, to what went down in Wisconsin, and and of course, uh, in Wisconsin on Tuesday, same day, we had our Our pre, our mayoral election, um, there was a, a state supreme court vote, and the Democrats prevailed. Uh, it was very much abortion rights who was on the uh, on the agenda on that election. Uh, the Democrat was essentially for abortion rights. The Republican, a Maga man, was against them. That's just how it boils down to. Uh, and in the aftermath, I'm reading the analysis, and Republicans are trying to find a way, and it's really challenging. To get their message. That's how they always say, how are we going to get our message uh, together and uh, on this issue? And so one of the only reasons, in my humble opinion, to watch the Sunday talk shows, and which is why I thank Pat uh, for his service uh, uh, on this front, is to hear the quote unquote message that the Republicans are putting out. Because in the Sunday talk shows, what they do, ladies and gentlemen, they put Democrats and Republicans uh, on the talk shows. And then you get to hear, they spend a week trying to figure out what they're going to say in these talk shows. And then they deliver that message. Uh, and so it's very much um, still in the planning stages as to what Republicans will say, because they really don't know what to say. Uh, they're controlled by a hardcore. Uh, that uh, wants to uh, criminalize abortion. That's the controlling force in the Republican Party. And yet they know that uh, the strategists, Republican strategists, whatever their beliefs on the issue, that that's a losing proposition Mm -hmm. in statewide races. Uh, You Mm -hmm. can win in a gerrymandered race, but more often than not uh, in a statewide race, you're going to lose unless the whole state is MAGA. Uh, And so Pat, I'm watching, I'm reading these articles And uh, I hear these strategists of the Republicans all saying the same thing: we have to, we have to change our message. We have to redefine our message. And they keep saying that, but they don't tell you what they're going to do. What that? Okay, I'm ready. What is that message? And i I don't think they know. I don't think they know how to do this.
0: No, they don't. All they have to, re- to rebut with is, "What is a woman?" <laughs> Morons. They have no ideology. There's no ideas there. There's just there's nothing. They and because all they know how to do is be the the party of no. And so you know this is why people are like, "Oh, Desantis, he's." I'm just waiting for him to get spanked by Trump in the public square because then finally we can lay all this Desantis stuff to rest. But the things he is doing in Florida are frightening. And and this is just. A doubling down on the fear you know that the crime and policing stuff is fear be afraid the government will protect you vote for me i alone can fix it you know and what you're saying about we have to come up with another message i mean it reminds me of uh what was it in the 2000s where the republican party was like we have to welcome the latino community you know what i mean we, we have to welcome them in and it's like man, that is a weird thing to say. Like, what are, you weren't welcoming them before? What, what is that about? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird. But their only strategy is to try to appeal to people's baser instincts like fear. And when you have these two visions laid alongside each other, I think, you know, it's funny. Heather Sharon was like, I am not looking forward to all this. What does the Chicago mayoral election mean for Joe Biden uh, pieces that are, that are going to come out? There's going to be a deluge of them. But it really was you know, a national dialogue situation for me, where you have one side saying we need to cut spending so that we can save money by not raising taxes. And on the other side, you say, we have to try something different or we're going to be subject to climate change. We're going to be subject to the baby boomers aging population. We're going to be subject to China and, and their ability to you know, get in on Africa. We're playing defense on Africa right now. It's another thing they're going to talk about on Sunday, by the way, Kamala Harris's trip to Africa. Um, but, you know, we're, there are there are larger issues at play here that our national dialogue is shaping how our country reacts to larger threats, you know, like threats, you know, and not necessarily a war, but certainly the, the prosperity we've experienced for nigh a hundred years is, you know, starting to slow down a little bit. And so someone better pull a rabbit out of their hat and quick. And I don't think fear is going to give us that rabbit because it will scare the rabbit and the rabbit will run away.
2: All right. Before we go down the rabbit hole with your rabbit analogies anymore, uh, (laughs) I'll close with this. So what is the Republican spin going to be on Vice President Harris's trip to Africa that would warrant it getting mentioned on the Sunday talk shows?
0: this So, fantastic question. And one an interesting answer for you is I am already seeing more across the aisle work being done about this threat. And I've been saying this for a while, and it's a damn shame in most cases, but it's true. Nothing brings this country together like an external threat. Something we can all rally around the flag and say, we got to come together and figure this out. And China is certainly it. And it is a very cold war, don't get me wrong. But I see a lot of you know I look back at what President Obama was trying to do with the Trans-Pacific Partnership of making very specific trade deals with smaller nations in Asia and the Pacific Rim in an effort to create basically a tariff block, an unofficial you know a non-diplomatic economic uh, embargo on China's ridiculous stranglehold and monopoly on most you know plastics and and so many products that we take here, and so. This ability to come together on these things is not only what's going to heal a lot of division, I think, in this country, but it's also going to bring us to a fruitful dialogue between the two parties. Because remember, conservatives, remember them, they legitimately had a different worldview than Democrats back in the day. And now we're stuck with MAGA, you know, and so on one side, we have you know, the Democrats who say, I would like you to acknowledge and respect trans people's right to exist. And on the other, the Republicans want the puppies to stand up for the national anthem at the puppy ball. You know, like, is there an adult in the room we can talk to guys? Is your mom home? Can we talk to her? Um, you know, so the dialogue is, if, if we can't even come together on how we see the world, we're not going to see any sort of overlap where we can have a dialogue across the aisle. And what these external threats will give us is not only an ability to come together, but also to find places to, to differentiate our worldview and our perspective about things that actually matter. Okay.
2: So what is the external threat from Kamala Harris's trip to Africa?
0: Do you mean to China or to the Republicans?
2: To the Republicans.
0: I really don't think they have one, first of all. I think if anything, they're just going to be more hawky about it because the only thing to the right of what Kamala Harris is trying to do, which is basically circumnavigate and you know get around the Belt and Road Initiative, which is actually just a debt trap by China just to you know convince African countries to build a port for them that they'll pay for and then have control over for the rest of the time. And so Kamala Harris is coming over and saying, hello, we're the United States of America, and we also have money and influence. <laughs> and so, well, I think the only way the Republicans can be mad about that is to say, "You got to take the big stick out on China." You know, you you can't do this soft diplomacy. Hey, how are are you? You got to go to the Pacific and I and see. say, "Get the hell out of our trade routes."
2: I see. Yeah, I yeah. I, I know they're gonna spin it some way. Uh, to to sort of make uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris look weak. I just uh, didn't see how they were uh, going to do it, but now I do. Well, All right. no.
0: So here's the real answer, Ben. I'm sorry, but real quick. The real answer – see, I'm trying to, like, make sense of the hash that is MAGA uh, but in actuality, what is the, the gut punch that they're going to go for? They're going to say it's Obama's fault. The pres- that President Biden was vice president under President Obama, and he failed in Asia without mentioning that the Trans-Pacific Partnership was taken apart by the Republicans, and that Pompeo completely gutted the diplomatic wing of the State Department. We won't get into all that. We'll just say Obama should have take care- taken care of it, and President Trump will be tough on China, and that's what we got to be. And there won't be any policy and there won't be any actual actionable (laughs) items that they can take, but it'll sound good. That's, that's, that's what they will say. I
2: actually think, Eddie, I I, I actually think just calling attention to the fact that Kamala Harris is the vice president uh, and that she went to Africa is just draw, just, just think about it, folks. Uh, just, Kamala Harris went to Africa. that's all they have to say they're not, you know what I'm saying I thought they, yep. don't say anything more Black people she went to Africa you know that's, 100%. it's a little scare taing in a weird way. all right uh couldn't be a pet uh, Patrick J Whalen appearance on the show without a Nick Sposato, uh imitation. Man does the best imitations of Alderman uh, Nick Spazzato I've ever heard. In fact, Alderman Nick Spazzato is now saying uh, Patrick J Whalen does a better imitation of me than I do, uh, and uh, so of course Nick Spazzato uh, is Alderman of the 38th Ward, uh, and he's got a distinctive Chicago accent. I saw, I heard a lot of him. He got a lot of, he got a lot of TV time over the last couple of weeks. Uh, That's Nick right. Did, uh, both with the fight over reorganizing the Chicago City Council, uh, and then, <laughs> and then my favorite, his appearance uh, at Alderman Jim Gardner's uh, victory celebration night. Uh, he was there to support his fellow Northwest Side firefighter. So take it away, uh, Nick was, I mean Pat Whalen. Uh, with Nick yes. Pizzotto.
0: Nick, well, what you were saying with the council, it's definitely a thing. And Nick got really upset about the committee vote that they were taking, even though he would stay, as, stay on as head of the happy committee. The happy committee, committee has special events. You know, Madam Mayor, he had a whole thing for Mayor Lightfoot. You know, we don't always get along, but I want to tell you, uh, it's been a real honor standing at the head of the happy committee. <laughs> And I got to tell you, I interviewed Dan Mihalopoulos, you know, for for good evening on election night. And, man, I thought he had a Chicago accent. But in actuality, Nick Sposato is is the true voice of Chicago. But he got upset. He got in a higher register. And he got mad later on. He said, there's no decorum here. Look at how we dress. Look at how we talk to each other. Look how we go about our business. I also want to tell Alderman Sposato that imitation is the highest, not the second highest the highest form of flattery. So if I ever run into the guy on the street, I'm either in real trouble or I'm going to get the firmest handshake I ever had. And then, yeah, of course, you know, at Jimmy, Jim, you know, Jim, he could have, he could have given up life as a public servant. He could have gone back to the department, got himself a nice six figure job, had a nice pension, but instead, you know, he wants to serve the people. And I think that's great. That's great. And, Ben, always a pleasure to be with you, Ben. You know, you're one of my best friends. You know, I call you all the time, but, uh, you know, you always pick up. You're always there for me, so I really
1: appreciate that.
2: Uh, well, thank you, uh, Alderman. <laughs> oh, my Lord. That riff you do, it kills me every time about. Uh, look at the way we talk. <laughs> Look at how we dress. We're
0: talking on the phone. Look at how they're talking on the phone. Go to quorum. Podcast, by the way, no decorum. No decorum. Oh Lord,
2: I uh, I am actually with you on that one, Alderman's Pizzuto. And it's funny coming from me, because you know I basically wear the same thing every day, <laughs> uh, and none of it involves a tie or a jacket. So, but I I like you know Alderman to wear a tie on the floor. I kind of I don't know. I'm old school that way, and you know uh, I'm with you. Look at <laughs> When he said that look at the way we
0: dressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a quorum. A not a quorum. Not a car. Look at how we talk to each other. I don't give a shit. There's something. He was swearing on
2: the floor. I no, he was dropping him, man. He, 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 was. he was on the Ben Jarovsky show. He just started, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you ever notice how people come on the show and start swearing? I'm like, I mean, I don't. What did I do? Oh, my God. They just started swearing like First sailors. Time you
0: swear. You got to go, we can swear, right? Yeah. Then they go, oh, <laughs> we can swear. <laughs> yeah. You can
2: talk like you usually talk. OK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right young Patrick thank you very much I uh, appreciate you uh interrupting your very busy day uh to talk to me and to do Nick's Pizzato imitation I'm we you know we're gonna have to clip that out and put it on our Instagram post very proud of our Instagram post ladies and gentlemen we're on a roll on instagram uh some sometimes you really can teach uh an old dog to new trick to do new tricks so um, anyway uh uh Patrick J thank you very much uh and uh Get a lot of rest so you get up bright and early on Sunday to watch those shows, okay?
0: Always a pleasure, Ben. I, I will do my best. And uh, just to your listeners, if you see a guy out on 94 picking up ballot signs, just, just uh, honk and wave, okay? And don't hit me. I'm begging you. And be sure to tag me in that post, Ben. Make sure you send me the link to that. I want to see it.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> will do that's uh patrick J. whalen of course is no J in that name but i always put it in there just i don't know because i like to uh and i also uh, want to thank producer chris he does an outstanding job uh give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash peace and love everybody
1: and remember you can download previous ben jarofsky shows get benny J. bonus interviews and so much more at chicagoreader.com And make sure to follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on social media and your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.